0: Broncos all-decade tackle Orlando Franklin. Two-time all-pro linebacker Chad Brown. Former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson. 104.3
1: The Fan welcomes you into the Players Club. You are here. The Players Club. Orlando Franklin. I'm Nate Jackson. We got uh, Dante Gomez behind the Behind the glass, holding it down with captain's hat. Hi, hi, captain. Stooping.
2: <laughs>
1: Permission to come aboard, sir. August thirty first, last day of August. We're on September's doorstep, and uh, we're one week away from the beginning of the NFL season. This starts Thursday, September seventh. Detroit at Kansas City. Orlando. What year was your last year playing in the NFL?
2: uh mm, oh, 2017 season.
1: Okay, and you just slid right into, right into radio, right into
2: broadcasting. Yeah, well, my wife, um, two weeks into my retirement, they'd asked me what my plan was, and I looked at her and said, "What do you mean? What's my plan?" Mm-hmm. I Plan to hang on out, yeah and just relax on the couch. And um you know, to her credit, she explained to me having me around was like having two uh, toddlers. Picking up after newborn and picking up after me as well, so she got she definitely encouraged me to get back out there, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I, it kept my motivation, kept my drive, and I was able to find some things that I like and not miss the game.
1: So do you do you miss it now? Like like you're five years out, I'm a shoot, almost fifteen, yeah. and, and so the for, for the first five, six, seven years, of course, you're coming up in summertime and it's like, okay, so I'm supposed to be doing something that I'm not doing right now. Oh yeah, football. You know? And then and then that sort of dissipates a little bit. I know Chad Chad Brown has said that he still feels it. You know, yeah. com- coming up in summertime. Do you do you get
2: those kind of butterflies or do you feel Um, not really the butterflies. There's two things I miss, Nate. I miss the schedule and the aspect of it, not having to think. You know, a lot of people don't realize like come football season you kind of just put your body in autopilot. Once you show up to training camp, all of your time is accounted for. There's somewhere that you got to be every single day, and even when you have like those three or four hour blocks, well, you're looking to get better some way. So it's either you're studying film, right? Studying yourself, studying your opponent, doing something rehab wise. So I, I missed like that aspect of just putting my body on that autopilot mode from July all the way till you know January, February.
1: You're kind of about to do that though.
2: Yeah, you're about um, to get on that plane. Well. No, not really. I mean, because that's a couple days out of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I miss that aspect, and I I miss the violence. I do miss the violence. (laughs) Miss the violence. Can't can't be violent in the real world. You know, you got (laughs) to change how you act and how you respond to people, and I I do miss the violence. We've talked about this before. Where's where's the
1: release for that? Does it just dissipate if you just ignore it, or does it bottle up and then eventually just come
2: out? Uh, It comes out. Mm -hmm. It definitely comes out. You know, I have found... Like, part of the reason why I like to skydive, right? You know, I've done it 13 times now since I've retired, since I've lost the weight. And 13 times you jumped out of a plane. Yeah. It's just... With no wings. No wings. Trust me. Those planes that you go up in the air in, they they, they make them... Yeah, they make them... Uh, they feel like they're on their last leg. You're excited to get up out of no, that Oh, really? You You're like, all right, I'm out. Yeah, you don't really know if that thing's going to be able to land. But I find myself, like, about like seven times ago, I, I just... I'm screaming the whole time down. It's a nice release. Like it's just a nice kind of just get everything out. Nobody could hear me, and I'm literally like screaming for like 30 seconds. Can, can we hear an example of that? No. Just picture yourself screaming. Was it like a high pitched scream? Like ah, or like ah, or like I'm, ah. I'm sure it's a little bit of both, Nate. But I mean, it's. I'm constantly trying to find ways to get that release because at a young age, I realized that football was my outlet. And, Mm. you know, I was getting in trouble in school and things like that. And I learned how to kind of harness like what I was going through, my circumstance, my situation, not having a ton of money, people making fun of us, uh, growing up in Section 8, not knowing where our next meal was coming from, eating like real food from the night before. That was our lunch every single day. Like my childhood was a little bit rough, so at a young age I started getting in trouble a lot. And then once I learned how to use football, you know, instead of like you know, kid says something in school and me going up and kind of hitting that kid, instead I save it for the football field and figured it out. And then so I did that all my life because I started playing football at seven, and then all of a sudden I was thirty and it stopped. So I, I had I missed the violence because violence has been. I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like it, it, You're it, an animal, dude. Yeah, we're it, all it, animals, we're right? Kind of pivot and turn and, and, and use have the that violence somewhere. Yeah.
1: And for a guy as large as you, as physically dominant as you, if we didn't have all these laws that we have in this world and in society, you would take what you wanted from whoever you wanted whenever you wanted it. But we have rules and laws that, that that's allow... Or <laughs> Create a more even playing field where we're physically large people can't just take what they want in this world. But if you go out in the animal kingdom, the biggest, baddest animals do that.
2: And that's how it is on the football field.
1: And that's like, how it is on the football field. Like, so, the whole so, entire time, too. So let me ask you this, because a lot of your motivation and the way you ended up you know, playing the, the style of football, the outlet that you had was a product of your upbringing and the feelings that you had at home and just in life. How... Your kids are not going to have the same upbringing. They're going to have, you know, a very different upbringing. How do you get them to be hungry? How do you get them to be have that chip on their shoulder or be motivated by by the stuff that you are motivated by? If they're going to have a different life,
2: I have no idea. You know, I look at my kids every single day, and I'm like, hey, I have no idea how the real world is. You know, I remember growing up and having to sit down and not being able to leave the table until I finished my meal. Well, my kids don't do that. I, but I also see so much of myself in my kids. My five-year-old started out of nowhere about two weeks ago just literally grunting Like, he's mad. He's Argh! I'm like, dude. No, no, no. And, I, and I see, like, I know where it comes from. Like, that's very much a part of me, even though I desperately try not to show him that side. So it's constantly trying to evolve, seeing different things and Trying to be able to teach off of that. As my kids get older, something that I want to do is bring them to Jamaica. Show them that you have cousins that don't know where their next meal is coming from. You have cousins that are living in zinc houses that have to go outside to outhouses in order to use the restroom. Because I still have family members in my family that are doing that up to today. So trying to show them that everything's not just as easy you know mommy and daddy worked really hard to create this lifestyle and as they, and for you to experience this upbringing that you guys are going to experience
1: i don't want to get too far into this discussion but i think that's a societal problem we're having that you know these younger generations dante maybe maybe you can chime in here but you you, you know the hardship was, was was never there kind of silver spoon and you think hey where's the wi-fi signal my, my, my wi-fi is not working you know things like that like um are we raising a generation of of people who are not tough and resilient because of the way that we've raised them in front of screens, Absolutely. giving them everything they want?
2: Parents wanting to appease every every whimper of every child. I'll add nil deals. I think that that plays into factor as well. Like, oh, you're not playing here. Big deal. Go work your butt off. Develop. You know, learn how to get on the field. Challenge the person that's in front of you. Like, not sit there, oh, I'm not playing, I'm out. Let me go go somewhere else. Like, I think that we are raising a generation that's going to be a lot softer and it's going to be just different. But at the end of the day, like, that's the hard part, right, Nate? Because we want the next generation to be better. Like, I want my kids to have a better upbringing and have a better life than I did. Right. So I'm going to provide and do different things. And now I have to find a happy balance of when to, like, expose them to the real world because the real world is cruel. Yeah. You know, like I tell you, I miss the violence. I can't go out there and do that. I'm going to end up in prison if I go do that. Yeah. So you, you're you constantly trying to, you know, find a happy median, constantly trying to manipulate your circumstance. To, so you don't end up in prison or you don't end up doing something that you're going to regret for the rest of your life. And that's the challenge these days, finding that balance,
1: finding that balance, teaching your kids what you've learned, um, preparing them for the real world, uh, t- giving them the, the care that they need, um, hugging them when they need a hug, but also, you know, tell them to brush it off and get back out there when they need that too. That's what Sean Payton's up against as well. You know, Sean Payton has talked about uh, his influence from Bill Parcells, the six-week training camps, the double days, just kicking the crap out of each other. It's a different world now. It's a different league. It's a different CBA How's that back end of the roster coming for Sean Payton in this uh, newfangled 2023 Denver Broncos team? The Broncos didn't make any waiver claims. That's one of them. We're going to hear from Sean Payton as to why and uh, how this roster is coming along. That's next.
0: You've been admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Let the boys be boys.
1: Here's a good song to get your anger out Slam! What's the best song to get your anger out?
3: 303
1: 713 1043. What's the best angry song in the world? Uh, Sean Payton, he likes playing music in the locker rooms, but only after wins. He likes creating a club environment, but we gotta wait till the confetti's rolling down, guys. We're in building mode right now. The Broncos made zero waiver claims after the waiver, um, well, during the waiver period yesterday. Here's Sean Payton talking about that. We didn't make
0: a claim. Um, we did stay late. Um, and uh, But um, we were pleased with, with some of the additions and things we were able to do.
1: <laughs> Sounds like he didn't want to stay late there, but he, uh, he did anyway. They didn't make a claim. They did add some... Um, some receiver depth on the practice squad. Bringing in Philip Dorsett. Originally, yesterday we got that news. We thought he was being acti- added to the active roster. He was not. He um, is added to the practice squad. Be joining our practice squad. He's one of them. Um, look, we're
0: pretty familiar with the player, and I remember I was at his his pro workout. So, you know, he gives you speed transition. Um, You know, the rosters have changed so much in the last five years that you're allowed to carry more players. And and, uh, when the season's over with, you'll see every one of these teams. You know, we call it a practice squad, but really we have 69 players on a team. And it's just changed a lot. So that added depth, I think, for every team. COVID kind of really taught us a few things relative to personnel. And I think it's helped not only the clubs, but I think it's helped the the addition for a lot of players to, to still be playing and developing and, uh, but yeah, so with, with regards to him, you know, we, we've got a clear grasp as to what we think he does really well. And uh, we'll try to highlight those
1: things. So look at that. COVID wasn't all bad after all. It taught the NFL coaches how to better build their roster. They were able to add some more practice squad players during that time. And uh, thing, I think it's pretty interesting, Orlando, that he thinks of this not as uh, a practice squad, but as a, a, a team with 69 players on it. Yes. Yeah, so, trying to develop all those guys.
2: Oh, absolutely. And those guys, you could count on them just, like by just snapping your finger. All of a sudden, you're up. You, it's time to go. You're active, right? You get one injury in that defensive line room, and now one of these guys on the practice squad, he he might be elevated to to active roster, but suiting up that week, getting meaningful snaps in a game, right? So that's how the game of football is played. Injuries happen, and you got to be ready. I love the fact that the NFL has bumped up their practice squad. I think before COVID, it was 10. Something
1: like that, yeah. And
2: then after COVID, now it's like 16 now, right? Yep, it's 16. So, great opportunity to help develop guys year-round. And you know, Nate, like I know. I don't know how much the listeners know. When you're on that practice squad, you talked about it yesterday. Guys get to be Randy Moss. Guys get to be the opposing team. Yeah, And you really get to go against the ones as well to really Develop. Like, if I'm a young offensive lineman that just got, you know, Broncos kept me, I get to go against Randy Gregory all year. Every get, day. Yeah, Nick Medino. I get every different day. looks yeah. every single day to help my development.
1: Yeah, this is going to be great for these guys to develop. Right now, they got 14 guys signed to the practice squad Tyler Beatty uh, returning, uh, Michael Bandy returning, Ben Denucci returning, Art Green returning, Marcus Haynes, Lil Jordan Humphrey, Jordan Jackson, Demontre Jacobs, uh, Devon Key. Tyler Lancaster, P.J. Mustapher, uh, Hagai Nabusi, Will Sherman, and Dwayne Washington. As of now, those are your 14 out of your 16 practice squad guys. You know, football is not a science. It's an art. And um, here's Sean Payton talking about the art of putting together the 53-man roster. Remember, the art
0: of the 53 sometimes is about protecting the most vulnerable or your assets that you think would be claimed or, or signed. I think the mistake sometimes is saying, Hey, we need five at this position, eight at this position, instead of the, the right 53 in order to to really secure the, the roster the way you want it. And so you'll begin to see that take shape. And then look, I I said this yesterday, I I just, from, from experience, the, the first week and a half, two weeks, you know, beginning this time till, you know, the next two weeks, you'll see the most.
1: You'll see the most. You will see the most. I think what he what he was going to go on to say there <laughs> is that you'll see the most roster movement around the league. Then it begins to calm down a little bit. Um, so... The the thing we've been talking about and, and the muggles we're talking about the past couple of weeks is how many receivers are they going to keep? And then if they keep five here, then they're having to keep left, fewer tight ends and they'll have to take one away from the offensive line group. And then oh, you might have to take... From the DB, well, what Sean Payton is explaining here is that there's more nuance to it, and that kind of fleshes out the idea of 69 guys on the practice squad. Uh, It's about the 53 that are the most coveted, right, that you need to protect the most, which explains right now why you only have four wide receivers on this 53-man roster.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's what we get from an experienced head coach, a guy that's been around, right? We understand it a little bit better because for me, Nate, I've always been a part of the, oh, they're light at outside linebacker. Like, when I saw the 53-year Miami roster, I was like, what the heck? Why are they so light at outside linebacker? Why are they so deep at safety? And it really didn't make any sense to me, but now you get a coach that's done it a couple times, that has a certain process, and it sounds to me like his process is basically saying, hey, Who can we win football games with that another team will try to steal away from us? Right. And who can we sneak away on practice squad? Who can we keep in in that stable and nobody's going to mess with them? Right? So that's a nice back and forth and certainly a great way of doing it. And I just appreciate the fact that he shared that with the the moguls yesterday because I learned something.
1: It seems like every time he steps up there, he's sharing some, some nuggets of wisdom. You know, Sean Payton's a very... He's a smart guy. He's a thoughtful guy. He's a guy who's thought about all this stuff. Yeah. And as this show goes on, we're gonna we're gonna get into more of Sean Payton talking about his process because I really thought that yesterday when he was up there talking, he had some some very interesting things to say. Not just about this team, not just about their prospects for 2023, but some of the things he's learned over the years. He had Rob Ninkovich at practice yesterday. And, and why did he have him there? Well, uh, we're, uh, later on, I don't want to. I don't want to. We're gonna have a dedicated conversation uh, about that topic. But you are gonna be really interested as to why he brought in Rob Ninkovich to hang out with this team, and it's about Sean Payne being humbled and learning a lesson about misidentifying the skills of a player, let, letting him walk, and watching him succeed elsewhere.
2: Oh, Rob Ninkovich humbled me. He was my kryptonite. Oh, is that right? my career. Oh, wow. Yeah. Three games, three sacks. No Gave way. Sack every single time no as a young Orlando out there. Wow. Um, and that was a guy that I looked at. that I didn't overlook him because he was in the NFL, but at the same time, you know, as the game goes on and you're whooping, them, whooping up somebody, you know, you, you, you might not... It, yeah, you know, it's it, it, it's third and three. It's a three step drop. I'm jump setting and I'm gonna just grab him and wire him up at the line of scrimmage. It's then whoop. all of a sudden it's just boom boom, hits my hands down. I was Uh-oh. like, What the heck just happened? Sack. You got, got Nickovich. So, yeah, you got Nickovich. Uh he was my kryptonite. I, that's that's super cool that, you know, that's another person that he brought in. Everybody's doing it, right? You see what who Dion had the other day? He had a D, D lineman up there at, uh, up, up at CU. Who do you have? D-wear? Uh No, um, Sapp. Oh, Howard he did. Oh my. Yeah, uh,
1: that makes this. He's at T O. He's at Michael Irvin. He's yeah. at Lawrence. Some of the all-time intense, polarizing, like b- badass dudes in the NFL. Yeah. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if he gets through to those young men because uh, you know they they all watched him growing up on on TV. All right, guys, it's time for the good guys car show. Giveaway, Good Guys. America's favorite car show returns to the Rockies for the 40th anniversary season of cool cars, cool people, good times. Grab your family and friends. Head on out to the Ranch Events Complex in Loveland the weekend of September 8th through the 10th for the Good Guys 25th Grundy Insurance Colorado Nationals presented by Grios Garage. See over 2,000 of the country's finest 1998 and older hot rods, trucks, customs, muscle cars, and classics on display. Check out... Good Guys Classic Performance Products Autocross Racing Series featuring the Western State Shootout on Saturday. Experience a tire-smoking burnout competition and shaking Nitro Thunderfest Vintage Dragster Exhibition. Shop the swap meet, Cars for Sale Corral, and Vendor Midway. Enjoy live music and bring the little ones to the free kids zone. On Sunday, see which rides take home the top awards of the weekend, including Builder's Choice Awards by Eric Peratt, a Pinkies Rod Shop. And also on Sunday, guys, American made or powered late models of all years are welcome for our Meguiar's All American Sunday celebration. For complete details and to register your vehicle or purchase tickets, visit goodguys.com. That's G O O D slash G U I S dot com. Hang with the good guys where real car people come to play. But right now, caller number four on the ramoslaw.com hotline. We'll win four tickets to the Good Guys Car Show, so pick up your phone right now. It's in your hand. Pick it up, 303-713-1043. Get yourself some tickets to the car show. It's the Players Club on the fan. You've been admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. a Song that makes you angry. This is a song that makes you just groove, man. And, and by the way, I'm getting your angry call uh, song suggestions, and I hope to play them as the show goes along. But we got a lot of moving parts here, you know at the uh, at the at the Fan 104.3 Studios. We got callers coming in. We got Dante behind the glass, the, the glass, the glass, twiddling his mustache. Do you put wax in that mustache? I do not. Know. <laughs> Why not, man? I don't know. I've never done that. You should be one of the guys who does the twisty thing and then the whip. Raleigh fingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you thought about d- taking it that far? I have not. No. The, it's kind of just a whim of a mustache. I just kind of shaved the beard and left the mustache. It's actually pronounced whim. That's what I just said. You said whim. I don't see the difference. There's an saying. H after the W. What? Wh- why? Why do you think? F- what are you looking at? It's that's, a, that's what I just said, a, too. It's a whim. Um, all right, so we, we are uh, working on getting Andrew Mason here in a second, and he's going to uh, open up his mind to what's been going on with the Broncos because nobody follows it closer than Mace. But, hey, man, we got the Raiders. We got the Raiders here. When you were playing, oh, because when I was playing, Mike Shanahan made it clear to us, we already knew that the Raiders were like the ultimate rival, the ultimate rival. It didn't have to be explained. But Shanahan was gone by the time you got here. Yeah. How how was that rivalry
2: addressed by your coaching staff? Um, Well, I think it's addressed by the fan base first. Right? I mean, yeah. you feel it from the fan base as soon as that week comes up. So what the Broncos are getting ready to do, Nate, that's how I started my NFL career off. Week one. Raiders. Oakland Raiders. Same, same. So, Sunday night football. Primetime. Whole world's watching. Right? And I remember just... The last preseason game, we played against Arizona Cardinals my rookie year, and it felt different as soon as the, the game was over with, right? And it was like, okay, everything was different. Showed up the next day, and yeah, you felt bad. The cuts that were going on, but the coach's approach was different. Everything. And this fan base kind of let you knew, know how much of a big deal it was. So they were doing that the whole entire training camp. Every day, every opportunity they got to go out there. Uh, Coach Fox addressed it by, hey, we got to go out here and win this game. Like this whole, the, Everybody is counting on us to win this game.
1: Well, we joined, uh, we're we joined right now by Andrew Mason on the Johnson Auto Plaza Hotline. He's a senior Broncos rider, denversports.com. Th- Andrew, thanks for joining us. What are, what are your thoughts on the Raiders? You've been covering this team for quite a long time. Talk about how that rivalry has evolved and where it stands today.
3: Andrew? One of those things that it's got ebbs and flows to it over the long haul, right? Like, and I think some of it is even kind of generational. If you were, a, and, 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 and especially in the fan base, like if you were a Broncos fan or Broncos player in like the seventies and the eighties, I think the, the Raiders game and the Raiders series is still the biggest one because at that moment in time, it seemed like whatever the Broncos were trying to accomplish, the Raiders were always standing in the way, um, and so, and, and then you get to uh, like like uh, Orlando's time in the league. Um, you know, those first that first year, best team in the division, eight and eight. Second year, Broncos dominate the division. Third year, the Chiefs really start their run. Even though Mahomes was a few years off. But that's kind of, you know, the, the, the biggest games from in like 13, 14, 15, 16, they all became the Chiefs games. So um, I, I think over the long haul, it's still the Broncos' biggest rivalry, and I think it's the one that is the most deeply embedded in the culture of the organization, the fan base. But uh, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the biggest game this year. I mean, you could maybe argue that even the Jets game this year has a little bit more oomph to it than the Raiders opener does.
2: Yeah. With that being said, though, Mace, I mean, you look at just Josh McDaniels, you look at this football team. It does get harder as the games go on. Right. Uh, The Raiders game is one game that I think that this fan base has said the Broncos should win this. It should look competitive if they don't win it. How do you think this fan base will react, and do, what do you think, you know, Sean Payton's expectations are for this specific game opening the season here next weekend?
3: Well, I think uh, first the fans will, the fan base will react incredibly poorly. I mean, no, there are so few games this year that you can basically write the Sharpie W next to you now, there aren't many that i think you can say sharpie l either that i think is the one of the benefits of Sean take coming in here um but one of the ones that you're saying okay you've got to have under no circumstances can you lose this game even though you've lost six in a row to this team is the raiders at home in week one because uh, not not just because you expect the broncos to be better but i don't think the raiders are better than they when they were they were they when they had the last season right you've you've changed quarterbacks from Derek to Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not sure that's a change for the better in terms of overall skills. Uh, you've taken Darren Waller out of the lineup. You've had Josh Jacobs only now just showing up to start get, getting ready for the season. And Jacobs in particular has been a Broncos tormentor for several years or for four years, I should say. So, um, yeah. And the, and the other thing, like you said, it gets tougher from there, right? It's, and you, know, you turn you turn to week two, and it's uh, the Washington Commanders, and uh, that's a team that can kind of go in any direction. And then you go to Miami in week three, and it kind of it goes from there. I mean, if this team is going to accomplish anything, it has to start with winning the most winnable games. And uh, certainly, when you're saying okay, which are the most winnable games on the schedule? If the Raiders at home isn't the most winna- winnable, I'd say probably Houston on the road in December, probably. Is. Get the the most winnable game, then it, it's not far behind. It's not far behind on that list of games that you have to have if you're going to accomplish anything this year. All
1: right, Andrew Sean Payton's been here for what you know five six months now. He's trying to get to know his team. He's trying to build a fighting force that can win it all. Um, we're on the doorstep of the 2023 season. They've been through OTAs and mini camps and training camp offensively speaking, Sean Payton's trying to locate his most potent weapons, and he's given these guys opportunities to practice to prove that they are that, and then he's going to create a game plan for get week one to utilize those guys. Who are the most potent weapons that who have revealed themselves uh, up to this point that are going to be used in week one against the
3: Raiders for the Broncos? Oh, um, that's a good question uh, because you, you could say, for example, I mean, are we talking about just, like, who's going to get the ball the most or who's going to be the most explosive? Because I don't necessarily think Jaleel is going to get the ball most, and certainly he has a lot to prove having just gotten here. But at the same time, he looks like somebody who can make an explosive play. I mean, you think back to five years ago in the opener against Seattle, you know, Philip Lindsay is an undrafted running back, um, still trying to kind of prove himself, and he catches a, a touchdown pass in his debut and uh, sets things up. So um, I think – I, I think the way it looked early against San Francisco running, you know, with the, the heavy emphasis on getting the ball to Samaj P. Ryan and Javante Williams, I think that's probably going to be a good building block for how things look in that first game. And so I think you probably start with those two as being the ones who have the most explosive capability. I with Javante, it's just a question of seeing is he all the way back in terms of his explosive capability? I mean, he looked, he looked terrific considering what he had come back from, but he didn't quite look like Javante all the way back, and that will be will be sometime in coming probably. Uh, that's something everybody's just going to have to be patient with.
2: Nice when you look at um the kicker yesterday, Will Lutz being signed, one of the things that he said when he was introduced to the media, he said that um, – thought that he was kicking better under Sean Payton because he he was kind of afraid to let him down. Do you think that's necessarily good for a locker room? You know, when guys are looking at a coach and saying, I'm afraid to let this person down. And do you think that helps in changing a culture when you have when you're trying to do that like Sean Payton is?
3: I think it's good for some players and not good for others. There are some that do well with that sort of motivation, that kind of sort of Damocles thing hanging over them, um, and I think there are others who don't respond well to that. Now, the question is the question is as you as you go through this, you know, it you know, is some of that going to be individually tailored to the players and allow them to get to, to maximize who and what they are and uh, play to their gifts and play to what to, to what they respond to best? That's a question, but for whatever reason that style appears to suit Will Lutz very well. So, yeah, it's one of those questions. I mean, I I wish I had kind of an overarching answer for it, but I I don't because everybody deals with something like that differently. And for some, that sort of environment is going to bring out their best.
1: Well, you always bring out our best, Andrew. Thank you for joining us, buddy. And now get back to work. All right, take care, fellas. Have a good one. All right, there he goes. Andrew Mason, senior Broncos rider, denversports.com on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. When we return... Uh, In our morning mixtape, Nebraska volleyball, (laughs) you got to hear this. They played in front of, I'm not even going to tell you how many fans, but it's more than have ever attended a Bronco game. Also, Jamal Murray featured in Jack Harlow's Denver music video. You guys excited about Jack Harlow? We'll do that more in the morning (laughs) mixtape. Next. The Players Club
0: welcomes you into the morning mixtape with a look at the Stories in Denver sports. Here's Orlando, Chad, and Nate.
1: Guys, now the RamosLob.com text line keeps me straight. I said Nebraska Volleyball played in front of more fans than the Broncos ever have uh, this weekend. Someone says, you're wrong, 101,063 people attended the Broncos game. No, that's there's no way. There's no way there was 100,000 people at the Giants-Broncos Super Bowl game. Mayor Parker in the snow dog, But Nebraska Volleyball had 92,000-plus fans attend a game in the football stadium recently to be the largest crowd ever for a woman's women's sporting event nebraska beat omaha 3-0 orlando have you ever seen anything like that
2: um in women's sports no right like you just said the largest and regular sports or men's sports yes i've been in part of different games and miami played OU my senior year got to play ohio state or that's not OU. But it, that was super cool. OSU. Like hundred and twenty thousand. What? That's like wild, just dude. unbelievable atmosphere. So was it
1: noticeably louder than like you know, NFL stadiums when they're when they're loud?
2: Like yeah. could you hear could you feel that? Yeah, so like I always tell people, you know, Seattle loudest place in the NFL and then you have um the Kansas City Chiefs. Right? Yeah. If yeah. you notice those two games. Other games, other, you know, twenty it would be what, twenty nine teams that you're playing? You don't really notice it yeah. when you're in the stadium. I agree with you college, with college, you, you kinda notice it when, <laughs> when you go to some of these colleges. You can't hear it out there. Like it's hard to communicate. It's unbelievable atmosphere.
1: See, for me, it was the opposite in college. It was hard to hear to hear anybody. Mm. We played in front of like a thousand people at my school. Okay. At D three Menlo College. We shared a facility with a high school. There were like five hundred to thousand people at, at our games. And we'd go on the road sometimes, play in front of like three, four thousand, be like, dude. Look at all the people here. This is crazy. We played in front of like 7,000 one time. It was like, wow, this is crazy. And then, of course, I run out of the tunnel here at Mile High, and that's a different experience. <laughs> uh, but um, you get used to it, though. You start to not hear the f- crowd, right? Like, yeah. like yeah, you know, you over, when you first when you first hear it, oh, my gosh, it's loud. But then after that, you don't hear it anymore. Well, when you're, except for Seattle
2: and Kansas um, City. In, in,
1: unless you're listening for a specific call, right, uh, and you can't hear anything.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean... I've always, with Seattle, KC, you you hear it the whole entire time. With other stadiums, yeah, there will be points where you hear them. um, For the most part, the communication's solid all game, and you don't really pay attention or or even you just kind of lose yourself in the moment and dial in and forget that there's even people there.
1: Kudos to that Nebraska volleyball fan base, though. 92,000-plus for a volleyball game. All right, this is uh, pretty cool if you like uh, bad music. uh, Jack Harlow... (laughs) came out with a video featuring Jamal Murray and the song is called Denver. Uh, Dante, can you play a little? Play
3: okay. I
1: wrote that first verse in Denver. Back in September. It's January now. And I'm feeling yeah, just, like I'm having time. Yeah. Hi and hard. I'm back in here. I am taking hi. time away. The the I'm wondering what that hot is. They gonna try a white cell. I'm hiring for my friends. I'm saying time. I'm taking time. Talking Jacks. What was the
2: point of playing it if you were gonna rap over it? I'm just making fun of jack
1: Harlow because he's such a bad rapper.
2: Oh.
1: Yeah. I'm trying.
2: I'm trying. But he's trying.
1: But he's really popular. <laughs> he's really, really popular. Do you like Jack Harlow? I don't mean to to stomp on Jack if he's a uh, favorite.
2: Yeah, no. Um, uh, it, not that I don't like him. I don't dislike him or hate him or You're anything You're supposed like to that. hate him or, why, lo- or why love Why are you him. supposed to hate or love no, somebody? I don't know, man. I don't know enough about him, Nate, to hate him oh, or love that's him. That's really sweet. I want to give that young man a chance. You want to give him a chance. I want to give him a chance.
1: I do not. I do not. Uh, that's a hard pass, but pretty cool that Denver's getting its flowers, right? Yeah. And Jamal Murray, uh, NBA champion, find himself in pop music videos, and uh, and finally Denver is on the map
2: in the basketball world. Absolutely, yeah. Right? I mean, could possibly turn this place into a destination place where people want to come and try to chase a championship. Um, Denver's such a cool city. So for me. I don't really love that it's on the map because being on the map, you know, has more people saying, I want to go live there. Mm. I think we're fine. Yeah. We don't we don't need no newcomers here. But um, They're not I, stopping, though. They're it's, blocking it's, to oh, Denver. This is the best place. I, I love the Four Seasons, right? I, yep. I was born in Jamaica. would go back there a ton growing up, uh, you know, when I was growing up in Canada. Then I went to South Florida and finished high school and college. Played a couple years for the Chargers out there in California. I learned that I need the Four Seasons. If you need the four seasons, this is the best place to be if you have to have the four seasons.
1: Yeah, you lived in San Diego for a little bit. There's just one season there.
2: Yeah. It's the same season. It's one long straight line. Well you get it, it wraps up in uh, in the course of like a day, right? Yeah. You wake up at like six A.M. in San Diego and like go to work. And it'll be like 45. And people are like, I'm not going outside. <laughs> and then at it's lunchtime, crazy. it's 75. And then in the evening, it's in the 60s. So you, you get it just fluctuates so much throughout the course of a day.
1: I agree with you. There's a reason why a lot of us um, moved here for work to play sports or whatever and never left. This is a special place. And Jack Harlow knows it, too. All right, Deion Sanders, we've been talking about this. Coach Prime bringing legends into the building there uh, in Boulder. Wants his players to respect the NFL greats. I oh, don't know, man. I don't talk to them about it. They, uh,
0: they, they're they, they elated. I mean, I checked a couple of them because I'm old school. Like, Mike Irvin and I was in the cafeteria, and a couple of receivers walked by, and I said, Hold oh, on, hold on. You know what this is? You don't walk by a Hall of Fame, and you play the position of receiver. Just walk by and don't even speak. Like, this, I don't know what this society, what this 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 generation does, but we don't do that. Where I come from, we don't do that. There's no way that I would walk by some of those guys that uh, made it possible for me to command the salary that I commanded, and I'm going to walk by like they're anonymous. So they, they stopped and gave him his love and respect. But the defensive alignment, they have been ecstatic over um, Mr. Sapp's being here. They really have.
2: Is it- really
1: great points by Dion talking about the way that you know young players have changed and the way we viewed the game or way they viewed the game and the legends and the the heroes that we had is that going to be a detriment to Dion's creation there to him trying to build a, a football in his own image because he is part of that legendary core of NFL guys who changed the game forever and if kids don't really respect that or understand that is is it going to be harder for him to build what he's trying to build there
2: yeah so I don't think the kids don't
1: respected,
2: heck, Nate, I don't even really think, I think they more don't understand it than anything. You know, when you hear about the playmaker, you know what Michael Irvin meant to the game of football. Oh, yeah. But you look at some of these younger guys now, and maybe their idol might be like Adam Thielen. Like, maybe just because of the age gap, right? And, And when they're growing up, maybe it might be B. Marshall right so these guys are growing up and yeah, I know that the Hall of Fame guys and you you want to you know kind of give them their flowers and understand what they did for the game. but if you weren't watching it at a certain time, you know who's how would you know? So I think that that's where a lot of these older guys fall into that kind of category where the younger generation it's more about social media. it's more about playing video games where back in our day, like you know I couldn't wait to try to watch football on the screen and you know you watched it as like a family and it was unbelievable just from right in front of that one TV where now there's just so much going on and that's why I think like Dion's wide was walked past Michael Irvin
3: I think might maybe, maybe some of them shy, didn't even know too.
2: maybe some of them didn't know him and like you just said maybe that part as well they never even yeah. thought of that angle because people don't just come up and talk to people anymore
1: mm. like hey, Dante do you go up and talk to strangers like if you're trying to meet a person like if you're out looking for love for example would you would you talk to someone you don't know in public? Yeah. I mean, if, like, something funny happens, I'd, you know, like, make a joke about it, but I'm usually not going, like, out of my way. Like, if you go to a bar with your friends, do you ever, like, strike up a conversation with oh, a Oh, yeah, yeah, pretty okay. much every time. All right, cool. Yeah, cool, like, cool. something funny will happen while you're sitting there. Well, and then, what if something yeah. funny doesn't happen? Do you make something funny happen and then talk about the funny thing that you just made happen? No, no. I usually don't go, again, I don't, like, go out of my way, but, like, if it, like, somewhat naturally happens, I'll, you know...
2: Yeah. To- today's generation is protected by barriers, mm. right?
1: Uh, hey, look, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. To- look down on my phone.
2: I'm uncomfortable. Look down on my phone. But hey, there's a nice girl right there. Let me jump into her DM. Let me, <laughs> let me, <laughs> right. you know, like look her up on like social media, and that's how I'm going to make my introduction instead of just walking you know, she's up, standing and, in yeah, front of you right now. You know what I mean? But Grab back in the day, you didn't have all this access. Yeah. So we were just forced to always engage, always try to communicate, and, and strike up a conversation.
1: A lot of barriers to trying to create like an old-school football vibe with just the the way things are now, the rules. Obviously, Sean Payton talked about the different rules in the CBA and the inability to practice as much as he'd like. Um, You know, Cliff Kingsbury, famous for giving him Instagram breaks a couple years ago. Matt Stafford's wife recently talking about the difficulty he's had connecting with the younger generations. When you're trying to build a team and a team is 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 about coming together and putting the phones down, right, and connecting on another level. So when you go out on the field, that connection is greater than the team across from you. So uh, the challenge persists, but it sounds like Dion's on top of it um, right now. All right, so is Russell Wilson ready to ball this season in 2023? I mean, is he really ready to go? We've seen him digest the, the offense thus far in minicamp. OTAs and training camp. But what does Sean Payton think about Russell Wilson's preparation and ability? We'll hear from Sean Payton next.